Attorney Aaron Hopkins has been in practice for over 24 years. From his downtown West Frankfort private practice, he serves Southern Illinois and beyond. Aaron Hopkins offers a general practice, family law, criminal defense, DUI reinstatement, and other law matters you may have. AaronHopkinsLaw.com. Been waiting to talk to this guy for, here's a really terrible thing, for 27 days. I've been thinking, you know, it's February. I get Professor Harvey Henson. Morning, Harvey. Good morning, Tom. And the reason why February is because Earthquake Awareness Month. And here's the other thing. I'm not so sure we need Earthquake Awareness Month. As active as the tectonic plates in this planet have been the last couple of weeks, they've uh, had their, they've been celebrating Earthquake Awareness Month on their own. Yes, there's been a lot of uh, magnitude 5, we'll say, uh, an average magnifies all over the world, including, um, I think, yesterday over in the Rockies and Idaho area. 4.9. Yeah. Um, just looking at that, uh, hits near Smith Perry. Uh, Smith's Ferry, I should say, 4.9. You see another story. Texas sees potentially record-breaking number of earthquakes and could set a record for the largest magnitude human-induced earthquakes. Mm, yeah, That's it, interesting. It is. All right, now here's the thing. And I see part of it is because I know you, and when I see this stuff, I want to have you on the air. So it kind of warps my perception of the frequency because I know I want this. And I was saying, not that I want earthquakes, I don't. But when I see that, I want to have you in to talk about it because it's an important thing for us to be aware of. The reason why in the New Madrid Fault we all get that. So is it my perception or is there an increased frequency in earthquakes recently? Not, not in particular. There, there's an increased awareness, which is good, right? I mean, that's why we're here talking today, I think, in part. Um, there's more instantaneous news um, about events. And earthquakes, I think, are part of that. That's my opinion. And, and it echoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's good. This is, as you said, Earthquake Awareness Month. And um, I think in southern Illinois, if you're long-timers like you and I, we know earthquakes happen all the time. I think there's an average of 2,000 mostly very small earthquakes that happen every year in the Midwest, mostly in the New Madrid seismic zone and some of the other surrounding seismic zones. Which, as you and I have talked about in the past, we have more than one seismic zone overlapping here in southern Illinois. Right. The science is working, and the education process is, is working, and we're learning more about this natural phenomenon we call earthquakes in southern Illinois. All right. I talked to you about this once before, and I want to I jump on this again because there was a, a couple of experts that theorized the frequency of earthquakes is an indicative of how healthy the planet is on a very base level. That if a planet tectonically locks up, it's the death of the planet. Um, we don't have a lot of information from other planets to go on. I mean, but I've always wondered about that. Is that frequency of earthquakes and, and the tectonic and the churning that goes on, is that a sign of a healthy planet? Or do we have the information to be able to say yes or no? Yeah, I, I, I like that perspective. I would say that the seismic activity, earthquake activity, indicates that the Earth is dynamic, that the crust is responding to the internal geologic processes deep inside the Earth, so which living, means the planet living, is geologically alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So a living planet. And we're not talking about the ocean and whales and crustaceans here, that they, the planet itself is alive. Yeah, geologically. Right? Geologically alive. Yeah. Yeah. But still, at that same time, oddest thing, I'm watching some movie last night, and the wife is very mad at the husband because the place they picked to live. I told you we shouldn't have lived here. There was a bridge to get out. <laughs> and you know what? Interesting is I knew you were coming in today, 
And how many people are going to drive across the bridge today from Marion to Carbondale, Crab Orchard, across the bridge from Carbondale to Murfreesboro, and on the list goes. We have a lot of those. And you do a lot of preparation and training for preparation for earthquake response. Is that a legitimate fear? Yeah, and working with the uh, local officials, emergency management agencies uh, in, in the local counties and, and throughout the state, and even across the central United States, we've, we, you know, we understand there are a lot of transportation networks, and by default, a lot of bridges. Big rivers, big bridges, major transportation corridor here in the Midwest. And um, that's that's been something that we've we've talked about and looked at, and uh, you know, and talk about mitigation and preparation. Those bridges are going to need to be inspected if we have a major or significant earthquake. And that means everything is shut down until the inspectors can make their rounds. I when I was driving through St. Louis, I was coming 64 to you know get a, get through from Missouri over into back in Illinois, and uh, I noticed all the columns had been retrofitted with those steel sleeves. Yeah. Uh, there's more and more awareness about what we can do because can you imagine all that area where the overpasses jumping all the way around each other if they're gone? I have a hard time imagining in St. Louis, but here's the thing. That would impact us too. The, the things that were needed out of that side of the state to get here would be the bridges would be gone. Um, you know, and some of this is fantasy, but others, you know, well, it's happened before in New Madrid and say we just didn't have the infrastructure now. What happens now? And some people say – Look at the dorms at SIU. Look how tall they are. What would be the effect there? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to consider. Absolutely. Um, in 1811, 1812, when that series of three earthquakes happened over the winter of December, January, and February, St. Louis had maybe 5,000 people in that area. Things have changed in uh, 210 years. Right. You know, <laughs> things have changed dramatically. So. By the way, just got a note from Michael Shelton. He says, say hello. Hello. He just sent me a text. So when it comes to this, you've been, you've been pretty busy on this, and you have been for years. What, how do you know when you've made headway? Is it because I invite you on or because you, you know, you, you, you're out working in the cities? I mean, what, what shows you're gaining traction for this important issue? I mean, I've been involved in it since, you know, Irving Browning or whatever his name was. Yeah, Ivan Browning. Ivan, yeah, right? 1989, 1990. Scared the hell out of us. <laughs> Yeah, he right. Got, he got a lot of people alarmed. Right, but yeah. then again, you know, other people saying they can forecast earthquakes, and you've seen that. Some mm-hmm. say, say yes, but it's only a few minutes ahead, things like that. Yeah. So, how, how, in what ways are you making a headway when it comes to improving the prospect of survival infrastructure, people, and earthquake preparedness? People do not know how deeply and how widespread your efforts are. Yeah, Tom. Well, first, let me just say. Thanks again for, for having me on. Um, we do this every February for National Earthquake Awareness. And then in October, we, we do it for the Great Shakeout, which is sort of our regional earthquake awareness and preparedness opportunity. But in between those um, events, we do a lot. Um, and we're in, we're in schools, and we work with the local uh, emergency management agency. Williamson County is, is terrific. So we, we tag up. We have events where we invite the general public and especially leaders and educators. But, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we can always do more, but um, we need support. And we can talk more about that. It is the, uh, the day of giving at SIU, and that's where a lot of that funding goes to support our, our right. outreach and let's, service. Let's talk about that there in a minute. But first I want to hit this. Jeff from Marion, we were talking about the bridges and how important they are. 
This is the only uh, Mississippi River rail crossing between St. Louis and Memphis is at Thebes, and it's incredibly close to the New Madrid Fault. I never thought about the railroad bridge until Jeff mentioned it. Great, great, uh, great insight on Jeff's part. Yeah, that's great. Uh, is what we were talking about these these transportation communication cores were the heart of the of the country, the Midwest. And when you think about the major rivers and uh, what we have to do to get across those rivers, whether it's transportation, it's uh, infrastructure, railroads, um, gas pipelines, uh, you know, uh, electrical lines. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of potential impact if a major event were to happen. All right. Speaking of major events, one of our questions on the American Monument text line says, regarding the Pacific Rim, speaking of being very busy, also known as the Ring of Fire, our listener uh, says this morning, uh, regarding the Pacific Rim of the Middle East, why did their earthquakes hit 7.0 or higher and the destruction zone is very small? I know our area is very flat, but I don't understand how the mountains seem to limit the destruction zones. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question. It is. Yeah. Um, so, what's the so the, uh, well, the, the mountains are um, jumbled masses of contorted and metamorphosed rock, right? So the earthquake energy tends to hit that like a brick wall, if you, if you can imagine a sound wave bouncing off the wall. So the energy gets dissipated and, it, and what we call attenuated, right? If if you're looking at the Midwest, the opposite effect where we're at, we're on top we have, of a drumhead. Yeah, yeah, the rocks are pretty much horizontal. They dip gently, for the most part, one to two degrees across Illinois, especially, but all across the Midwest, those earthquakes can vibrate, if you will, resonate for a long distance, and you know, sitting on top of those rocks are glacial deposits, unconsolidated materials, and river channel deposits, major river channel deposits, that material can resonate or vibrate uh, much more freely, especially if it's saturated with water. Well, so I always think about scenario. it this way, that if you sit here today and you take your front fingers, your first, your forefinger, and push them together and put your thumbs together and then point that due south, you've got the 64 as your thumbs and your forefingers are the ridges and the edges of the Mississippi and Ohio rivers. And over years, the sediment has filled that V shape in your hands and that we're built on a drum head that was actually sediment after sediment after sediment from the Midwest. Yeah. And we're on top of that. And anybody who's hit a drum head knows how long it vibrates, gets an idea of what we're looking at when it comes to potential impact. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's called the Mississippi embayment. It's like a wedge of sediment that's coming up like a giant piece of pie pointing into southern Illinois, into the bedrock, which we know outcrops right here. We have spectacular scenic areas in Cuestas like Garden of the Gods and Giant City Park where you can see the bedrock easily. But that, that drumhead is, is like um, waves, giant waves coming into the, to the, to the ocean beach, right? All that water piles up, and so the energy will pile up in that wedge and cause um, tremendous shaking. There's, there are harmonics and buildings setting on top of that loose, unconsolidated material will not respond well if they're not anchored well or constructed well. Great. So these are the things engineers and architects have been working on for many decades now in this area. Yeah, and growing it every day. Yep. Here's somebody else's. You know, they were talking about the railroad at Thebes, 
He says, you know, very often in Thebes, they are backed up six to eight trains deep with no earthquakes, just uh, heavy rail traffic. Great point by a fellow listener, and I bet he's a train geek like me. So uh, so one of those uh, messages there that's uh, come in there. Uh, just checking the emergency management notification that came across, and apparently it's not an earthquake, so we're good to go. Okay. <laughs> I have all, I, Stay tuned. You know, they have You do this too, right? Morning. Sure. I mean, you have all those warnings sent to your phone, right? Yes. I mean, you can get it from the USGS. You can uh, outline the parameters, and so with something big, my phone tells me. Yeah, and just so our listeners know, it's not – it's not a pre-warning, okay? We don't get that with earthquakes. We don't get any notice, but we get an after-the-fact right. alert because we have an app on yep. our phone. Right. And, yeah. Chances are you'll feel it if it's near you anyway <laughs> before you'll get the text. All right, you talked about this. We'll talk more about it tomorrow, the SIU Foundation Day of Giving. But, you know, this is something that I said I enjoy talking to you because I'm a geek. Um and we talk about the mechanics of earthquakes and uh, the eclipse and stuff like that. But really, that is um, a specific items that are underneath a large umbrella. And I did not have a full appreciation of what you did with the STEM training, yep. the STEM facility. Um, the Day of Giving is an important day for you and your department. Because Day of Giving, you get to go pick who you want to give to. That's right. That's right. And every gift counts. Every gift, $10, $100, you know, and just keep adding zeros. But, um, and, and I want to say for the STEM Education Research Center, it's easy. Go online on our, our homepage. There's a Give Now option. And I, I want to thank our listeners. We've, we've had some generous uh, donations this last year. And then recently, some large donations from, from, from some, um, some entities that have larger pockets. We have a $5,000 gift and a $2,000 gift. And we're leveraging those um, to match any other gifts. So, you know, if a couple of hundred people give a little bit, then we're we're matching those other gifts that, that have been pledged to us already. And what do you do with that money, Harvey? Well, we do the STEM education um, uh, outreach and, and service mission. That's what primarily age, where what, those small funds go. What to. age group? So we, we work with uh, kindergarten and public schools all the way up to high school. We, uh, we're looking at starting some alternative programs with junior achievement. And we'll bring uh, their STEM education programs or mobile unit to the area. And that's very expensive, Tom, but we, we want to eliminate the cost for schools, for example, in a 100-mile radius. We want to pay for their buses, want to pay for their substitute teachers, pay for the kids' lunches when they get them here, and then have an amazing uh, junior achieves engagement in STEM. And, and just let those kids know at an early age, uh, elementary, middle school, and high school, what amazing careers are available, but they need to learn math and STEM to do that. And so we have programs like that that are that are planned, and others that are ongoing right now, like our earthquake outreach, um, our our professional development for teachers. We have workshops, and we have the teachers come and spend a day with so us. So help the teachers too. That's yeah, great. Oh, exactly. I, I mean, viral yeah. education is the first thing I think. Never bring the kids in. Well, won't you teach the, t- the teachers? No, teach the kids. Yeah, we have to do whammy. both. We have to do both. Yeah. How did you get to? Because there's usually, do you know how you got to be how you are when it comes to geology? And your, I mean, do you know where that began for you? Was it a book? Was it a movie? Was it a story? Was you smash your finger? I mean, all right, okay, we'll take thirty seconds and try to tell this story. So, Tom, I was probably uh, yeah, just just barely five years old in 1968. So I'm dating myself. And we're talking about earthquakes. I was at my grandmother's house playing with my cousins out in the yard. Grandma's old house was by the railroad tracks, right? Where at? Southern Indiana, November 9th, Saturday morning. We're playing in the yard. 
by the railroad tracks in Grandma's house. We loved that hill. And uh, I, I had to go take a break. I went inside, used the bathroom. And I remember this. I washed my hands in front of that old mirror. The, the mirror rattled, you know, just right, right. And I'm, I'm washing my hands. I'm thinking, that's kind of weird. And then I remembered whenever a train came by Grandma's house, everything rattled. So I ran outside because in those days, what did kids want to do with trains? They had a caboose. You wanted to wave at those conductors taking a break at the right. Yeah. Was a bit, I go and look down the tracks. There's no train in sight in any direction. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of weird. I'm a five-year-old, you know, wanting to play with my cousin. So we just go back and play. Flash forward to fall 1985 when I came to Carbondale to study earthquake seismology. And we're in a seminar. We're looking at the list of all the earthquakes that ever happened in the Midwest. And on the list was November 9th, 1968, 5.4. I had never even thought it was an earthquake. I was too young to even encounter I was it. in St. Louis, and they, they were talking about it on the radio on Camo X. That was my first earthquake experience, Tom. And it confirmed in 1985 that I was on track to studying earthquake seismology. And um, now almost 38 and a half years later, I'm, I made a career out of it. So that's what we're trying to do with as many kids and teachers as we can for the earthquake component of our STEM center. So Chris from Carbondale says, I remember that day very well. East Central Illinois was where he was at. Thanks, Chris, for texting. It's The reason why I ask, because I've got to let you go, um, is because you're trying to do that for other kids. You, I believe you can plan spontaneity to a certain degree, but that's usually showbiz, right, where yeah. you've got lights, cameras, action, curtain. I mean, can you take that? And, and, and for me, the space, you know, the, the whole lunar, I mean, I had the color photographs and the pictures and the space and Gemini, you know, and, and those things were this lure that predisposed me, impacted me so much that it predisposed me to this fascination that lasted this day. Yes. And that's what you want to do with, with STEM. That's our center, our STEM center's mission is, is pretty broad but simple, increase STEM literacy. And we're going to do that with the educators, the parents, community leaders, civic leaders, so that those students have that opportunity to be making sense of the world around them. So, of course, we're affecting the curriculum and, um, and, and learning, but we're doing research to, to see how that is effective so that we know we can do it better the next time. But it's all about those those students and the next generation. Right. If they want to give uh, give tomorrow uh, the uh, SAU Foundation Day of Giving and you want to help out STEM, Eclipse, and the uh, Geology Department, where do you go, Harvey? Go to the STEM Education Research Center website at SIU. Click Give Now or look for STEM Development Fund. And all gifts and donations are welcome. Thank you. Everybody's saying, I remember that day in November. 1968. Yeah. I was at home, West Frankfurt, stuff fell off the wall. I was four years old. Thanks, Chris. Oh, excuse me, that's from Greg. Thanks, Greg. News Radio, WJPF, Associate Professor Harvey Henson, um, SIU Geology Department, Instruction and Curriculum. It's always good to see you, Harvey. Good to see you, Tom. Thank Harvey. you.